22 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I am Alana Hayes, and I am back with the same three panelists as last week to talk more Skies of Arcadia. We've sailed around the world, we've found out the world is round, we have gone through Atlantis, maybe, and we have got all the moon crystals, or not. We've done a bunch of things, we've saved the world of Arcadia, and we're all kings of rogues, I assume. Uh, so let me reintroduce the panel, starting with Wes Eilif. Hey, everybody. Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Order Bowling. Hiya. And so, this is some people's first time through Skies, which is a notoriously difficult game to get a hold of, which is probably why a lot of people haven't played it, and why it's kind of got this semi-cult classic, like, um, like, reputation about it. Um, but Order, obviously I know you're one of the newcomers to the game, and I know you didn't quite get to the end, but how have you found the experience so far? Just kind of summary. I've enjoyed it. I do feel like maybe it's, there's certain dated aspects to it now. Like, I would kill for a save anywhere ability. <laughs> but um, I really, really enjoy the plot. It's just a fun story that kind of just makes you feel stuff. Mm, it does, right, yeah. Yeah, dungeons are a bit of a pain. Some of them are quite long and you only get like two save points in them. Um, yes. You, you can save anywhere on the world map though, which is quite nice. Um, there's like a save feature there. So it's maybe it's maybe a little bit more ahead in some, well, I guess it's like any other RPG of that time. But yeah, no, it's certainly, it's certainly a pain in dungeons when you're just getting like hammered with random encounters. Yeah, I had one where I almost was late to work because I was trying to finish a dungeon. Oh no! <laughs> I was oh. like, I can do it, I can do it, I can just make it to the next part. And, oh no, yeah. that wasn't the Blue Moon dungeon, was it? No, it was the um, Sacred Mountain. Oh yeah, Moon... Moonstone Mountain, the one that Moonstone we've already yeah, yeah, the one that we were already hating on last week. We've got another one to hate on this week as well, so don't worry. Um, and Zach, I know you also haven't played this before, so how do you feel about Skies overall? Um, I mean, I agree with Audra generally. I mean, I to me, <clears throat> the biggest issue is the uh, speed of the game, and, it, and it's not like I actually think the game like feels slow at times, but you know, if maybe you have ways to speed it up maybe um there it, it, it is a more pleasant experience in some ways um but yeah i mean i i think uh particularly the second half um i thought was super fun when you got the ability to fly above or below the clouds um like because like I, I always thought like exploration was just kind of a pain because of the encounter rate but like i liked it a lot better there i loved recruiting people for your town being able to build up your town as a suikoden fan you know that's <laughs> It's right after the things that I, I appreciate. Um, and I thought there were like some really um, moving moments in the second half. Mm -hmm. um, it got a little easy, I thought, in the second half, too. If I don't know if you just go buy strength seeds and just pump up vice. Um, but um, overall, I thought the second half, I, I enjoyed the second half more than the first half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, generally, I always share that. Yeah, I, I think that was my opinion, too, was... I really liked what I've played of the second half, so. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, it's really great. When everything starts to open up and you get the ship, the, your actual own ship, it's like, I know, like the whole world map opens up and you see, you've got like the whole grid, but you can't see everything on there. And it's like, all of a sudden there's this world of opportunity in front of you and you actually start to feel like that kind of ambition that Vice actually had at the beginning of the game. Um, Wes, I know you and I have already played this a number of times and I know you were revisiting it for the first time in a little while so how would you find this replay 
So first, I, I still got to agree with them on like the with with everyone on, you know, the first half versus the back half, because when I started, there was all this nostalgia flooding. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. I, this is one of my favorite games of all time. And then around like Ixataka, there's a little bit of a dip. And I'm like, OK, do I not love this as much as I used to? And mm-hmm. then you get your own ship and it like, oh, no, no, I totally do. Ratchet <laughs> right back up. But it's a game that could really use some love, a, a remaster, remake, something that sands off some of the older uh, rough edges because I was playing on original hardware, which was my mistake uh, because <laughs> yep. uh, trying to be a parent and play this game is incredibly difficult because the game wants you to sit down for really long play sessions that I just couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I used to make big chunks of my way through this as a kid because like, I remember really vividly like I'd had like a sick day on school and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to play Sky. So I just plugged the GameCube in in my room and then like, play it and in like a seven hour period i would get so far and then like for the rest of the week i wouldn't be able to play it because i had like homework and stuff like that and i was like oh and then it was only at the weekends really i could really blast through it and like this time around like when i like i sort of like picked up an old save file which was right at the end of the game i didn't leave any save files earlier and so i was just like flying around re-exploring some of the areas going around and getting discoveries and stuff like that and i'm like god you can't really sit down and play this in like bites can you because like this is there's so much about it being like interconnected there's so much about you traveling around the dungeons are all they're not like long long but they are i don't know there's something about them that like the pacing of them and the way they're laid out you can get lost sometimes um and obviously the random encounter rate is kind of extortionate at times um but yeah like i like you i remember when i was watching zach play it over here um and we got to exotaka it was kind of a bit like Hmm, mm, I don't like this dungeon, and this is racist, and this is that, and oh god, and then and then I remembered like rewatching some cutscenes later on. I was like, no, hang on a minute, hang on. And then I picked it up this morning for a bit. And then I just had a stupid smile on my face for about three or four hours. I was just flying around, killing enemies, discoveries, doing bounties and stuff like that. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, this is this is it. This is white it's really hard to put into words like it's not like anything deeply you know like some of my other games that i really love have got like real deep like story meanings to them and stuff like that but skies just hits like a completely different level for a totally different reason it's a it's a game that like when it hits it hits hard and what it does when it hit is something that very few other games do there's a few things we can compare like building up your crew to and customizing your ship and exploring and all that but few things bring it all together in the same way so it gives you a very unique feel Mm, um, kind of beginning to end absolutely yeah and i think that the world and the map and the traveling is kind of what brings it all together for me just like that amount of freedom that you get or even like like i think zach you made this point last week um you said that like it's a way of being linear but also not feeling linear i suppose or something like that i'm probably twisting your words a little bit but certainly there's something about it you like you can go in this direction but also there's like you know the widespread of the map you can go wherever you want really but as long as you end up in this location then that's fine um but yeah um the one thing i did really appreciate more this time around and again maybe it's because it's been like six years since i've like last played it is um we talked a lot about combat last week so we won't dwell on it too much but like yeah, I, it's one of the first games really that I ever remember breaking the combat in to quite a degree that I 
really do like break stuff because like, I tend to just play things normally but Sky is like I just got everything like we talked about like the different meters to manage like MP and SP and everything like that but like once you get your own island and start recruiting people for your crew the like possibilities to break characters becomes even greater like just the amount of stuff you can buy it's really really fun um but that's like one thing i've learned to really appreciate this time around um but we'll carry on from where we were last time and probably like dart around um back and forth um so after getting to nasa with vice and gilda we go to the cat's island which is this <laughs> weird split dungeon where you have to swap back and forth between vice and gilda and Ica and fina and eh, it's fine <laughs> it's okay it's like one of these really like gimmicky dungeons that i think skies tries to do a few times um the only thing i love about dakats island is it's like everybody's going after this like it's the repeated like joke in this game like there's a bit of treasure there and we're gonna go get it and we're gonna like be rich and we're gonna be able to buy a boat and find Iker and fina or find vice and then it's just like a note in a treasure box that's just like, oh, the real treasure is the friends we made along the way. It's like a joke. Like, oh. It's but very it's much true. a gay friendship game. Yeah. It is, yeah. It is. A, it's so true. It is. It is a JRPG all about friendship. Never heard about that before. Um, but I've always really liked that. I used to be like rolling my eyes as a kid, like, oh, really? But like, funnily enough, like the older I get, I'm just like, oh, yeah, teamwork. It's great. Um. But then shortly after that, the four of them reunite at the end. They go back to NASA and Ramirez has come to attack the town and you get kidnapped and taken to the Grand Fortress. And the Grand Fortress is, again, you get split up into two groups, kind of. And then, well, you don't control the other group. You have to fight Vigoro, which, uh, fun fact, Vigoro is voiced by Charles Martinet in the UK, the English dub. So... Just like put, don't don't think about it too hard, especially given that Vigoro is a sleaze and a slouch, and there's definitely not an implied rape scene in that area at yeah. all. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty rough. They uh, and I, I think you told me to Solana that they actually censored it from what it was originally. Correct. Which is impressive because it is very uh, casual about what is clearly an attempted rape, and his uh, you know, arc of you know finding himself again later in the game no thank you um yeah, yeah uh it's a little troubling <laughs> yeah um yeah i i see vigoro it's vigoro interestingly is the only armada member you ever fight one-on-one -on -one, and it becomes this like rivalry between vice and him and i really don't like that dynamic at all given his character um I mean, I might as well just say it now, like the the post game or the secret boss is Vigoro because he <laughs> becomes a sky pirate and it's like, mm, I don't like this kind of redemption arc that you're getting. I don't actually. And it's it sucks because like all of the other Armada members, apart from like, well, I say all of the others, um, Deloco and Alfonso, I don't really like either, but you know, they kind of meet their ends <laughs> in their own ways. Um <laughs> But Beletza and the last one, Gregorio, who we'll talk about in a second, who I genuinely think these two are really good characters. Um, oh, Beletza's a great character. Beletza's a really yeah. great character. Um, I love Gregorio as well. Um, but yeah, like it's very interesting that 
Vigoro is the one who kind of get like the hand to hand combat. I would have loved it. And I guess Ramirez is technically like the sixth, isn't he? Um, but yeah. And we actually, correct me if I'm wrong, hadn't met Ramirez as of the cut point for the last episode, right? We didn't know. We'd seen him in okay. cutscenes and we mentioned him very briefly on the episode. But yeah, Ramirez, um, you find out pretty early on. Uh, Fina recognizes him on the assault on NASA and you find out pretty quickly that he's also from the same place that Fina's from. Um, and has somehow been roped into Valor's scheme to take over the world. Um, but this is a thread that runs throughout the second half of the game, really, in that you're, you're trying to get the moon crystals, but, you know, Ramirez's kind of purpose for coming to Arcadia itself is unveiled a lot later on. Um, and Fina's as well, really. Um, but yeah, what do we think of Ramirez, really? His introduction is the most JRPG thing imaginable. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, it's a burning village and he has silver hair and he's good with the sword. Who does that sound like? Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about some other very Sephiroth-like things toward the end. Um, I mean, like he's, he, cuts, he, he cuts an imposing figure. Um, I feel like he is potentially an interesting character. He's actually one of the few things in the second half of the game that I was a little disappointed with how they handled him. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot of stuff they could have done. Some of the side quest stuff ties, tries to characterize him more, but like it still doesn't work for me. Um, but I do think um, that they could have done more to maybe, you know, sort of indicate how imposing he is. But I, I think that he is at least cool. And man, he has some great battle animations oh. and fights. Oh. Uh, I, I might have been fast forwarding through parts of this game but i was like i'm gonna go back down to normal speed for this yeah <laughs> i do i've always been a big fan of that like the first fight in saltis with him like that's probably my favorite one-on-one -on -one boss fight in the game just because of oh god what's it called is it called silver eclipse silver eclipse yeah it's like that's the one that's yep. the one um and yeah just really like slices through the screen and i'm like oh this is cool i definitely fancied him when i was like eight or nine because you know what it was like whatever i was just sad emo anime boys right um but yeah i i think that i like ramirez but yeah like i don't think it's i don't want to say there's like not a lot of space for him in this game but like i don't i think he fits like the stereotype that the game wants him to fit and that's pretty much it and you want to remember as well like that stuff that characterizes him through the moonfish quests um, was added in the gamecube version so it's not even in the original dreamcast oh, yeah. version right yeah. and i mean like honestly um like i didn't think that stuff helped i think that maybe i would have liked him better if they hadn't done that yeah because like oh you're trying to give him a backstory but it just says what we already knew basically um you know like it's not it actually cheapens his turn, I think, more a little bit personally. I mean, like, it's not a big deal, but like, I'm like, eh. like we're talking about we're talking about Saturday morning cartoons here. But I, I just <laughs> wanted there to be a little bit more to a character who was that's a, such a cool design, right? Yeah, and interestingly, and this might be me being really picky, and I remember reading some stuff about this a while ago. Um, I don't think I I think I touched on this really briefly last time. Um, but like. Valor as an empire is based on the Spanish Armada, so like all of the admirals have Spanish names. Valor itself kind of has a bit of a Spanish pronunciation. Um, and why has Ramirez got a Spanish name when he's not from Valor? Or is this just me being like really like overthinking it? Like he shouldn't have that because Fina doesn't have a Spanish name because she's not from there, and it's like she recognizes that name. And I'm like, but would that have been his real name? I don't know. 
Maybe it's just, just a coincidence, probably. I'm probably thinking about it too hard. Saturday morning cartoon stuff, right? Uh, see, this tells you about all the important stuff that I worry about when I play video games. It's like, why is that name not in canon? Why is it just this? Um, but yeah, minor things. I think Ramirez is cool and I like that. And that's really as far as I'll ever go because he has my some of my favorite battle animations and the fight with him is really cool. Um, the last fight less so, but you know, he kind of has his big like, I, I assume when you refer to Sephiroth, more Sephiroth comparisons, Zach, you mean like his big kind of breakdown moment towards the end? No, I mean his one winged angel moment. Oh, where that moment. Literally the last boss. And oh, it's yeah. like, oh, it's the same. Pretty um, much. One, uh, Sephiroth is a little harder, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's but... one in a long line of villains from a time when RPGs were not shy about just fully copying Sephiroth's steeds yeah. there. Like, <laughs> th there was no shame. Yeah, and again, I guess he's not really like, he ends up being the final boss, but really he's just like, he's just misguided, I guess, is the, I'll say it like that. Um, because really, Galcian is kind of the main villain, and, you know, he meets his end, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but obviously, getting out of the Grand Fortress, this impossible fortress, which of course, you know, <laughs> impossible is just a word people use to, oh god, whatever the rest of the quote is, as Vice would say. Vice manages to break out of the Grand Fortress, but they manage to break out with a prototype, a prototype ship called the Delphinus, and they manage to break out with the Prince of Valois, Enrique, who willfully submits himself to be kidnapped by the Blue Rogues uh, because he opposes his mother, who's Theodora, um, who is the Empress of Valois, and he does not like the way she rules, kind of like how Garnet is trying to understand Braun in Final Fantasy IX. There's a little bit of a comparison there. Um, and Enrique becomes your next party member. Um, Gilda disappears after only having him for two dungeons. He goes away. And I Enrique... guess Clara was just too scary for him. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much how he goes, isn't it? Like, she's sailing behind them and he's like, I've got to go now. Bye. And it's like, okay then. Um, but yeah, you get um, Enrique, and Enrique is basically your final party member for the rest of the game, apart from like one or two moments, and obviously the end game where you can select um, who you take with you to the final dungeon. Um, but yeah, Enrique is a little bit like a weaker version of Vice, but more focused on magic, but probably has the most useful super move in the entire game. Because it makes everybody god for four measly SP, and yeah, I basically only ever use Enrique in the end game, um, especially for the super bosses. Yeah, he's yeah, it's pretty good. It feels like he's who you they wanted you to use, even though he's less cool than either of the other two. <laughs> Third, yeah, four characters, very less um. cool, as in like he gets air sick, he can't jump off boats, he is decidedly goofy and uncool, and the game takes the Mickey out of him a lot. But he does like get the princess. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I do love Enrique a lot, <laughs> yeah. actually. Like that's I I mean it affectionately. I used to have this joke where like you know you said that like Fina ended up being a punching bag for you, Zach. Like Enrique has always been my punching bag. Like he always gets attacked. And I'm like, you got confused and you're poisoned now. And oh he's dead again. It's fine, you know. Just <laughs> there's always Enrique for me. It's like I do love that cutscene in Yafatoma where like Aika like pushes him off the boat and she like jumps down and he's like, oops. But yeah, <laughs> Enrique is fun. Um but yeah, he does get Moegi. Um and he's very idealistic. He's very much you know, yeah, like he's a little bit like Garnet in FF9, who wants to like 
like uh they love their kingdom but they do not love the methods that their ruler or their mother is using so they will do everything they can to solve it without killing them but we all know that never turns out ends out right um <laughs> but yeah okay what flag did everyone pick that's the most important question i've got to ask what what the one with the cat on it you went for the one with the cat on it absolutely really <laughs> you i like that one but you i went with the dolphin <laughs> you surprised me sir yeah the dolphin's my favorite <laughs> I went with the goofiest one imaginable because I thought it was funny. Oh. <laughs> Wes, which one do you normally go for? Uh, the dolphin is definitely the cutest, but I went back to my old, you know, teenage gotta have the cool one ways just for nostalgia's sake and used, <laughs> you know, the vice flag. Yeah. Yeah, I've done all of them at one point, but the dolphin one is definitely my favorite, even if it is adorable and not at all imposing. But it's the dolphin. It's the dolphin constellation. All the Valuan ships are named after um, different constellations, um, which is why it's called the Delphinus, the Auriga, uh, oh. Venoceros, Lynx. I didn't realize that. The cool. Hydra. Uh, oh, God, I cannot remember the other two. The Chameleon and somebody remind me what Vigorose is called, if it's that important. Um, if you don't remember, I think there's a low chance the rest of us are going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're all named after different constellations. So, yeah, it's a fun thing. Um, but yes, once you get the Delphinus, Guild goes, Enrique stays with you, and you get a little stowaway. Marco's in the back of the ship, and he becomes your first crew member. Um, and now the entire game opens up, because you go back to the island you were stranded on, and there's two builders on there that Gilda hired to, along. You've got a builder and an engineer, and they're like, oh, we can change this island into your base and we can chain up your ship and everything like that. And Crescent Island becomes your home, basically. And oh boy, you can't like do a lot of customization with it. It's kind of like sweeter and level of customization with a little bit extra. Like you just get more and more people and they get you more shops and more stuff to do on that island. But you can change the layout and the design of it a little bit. You can get your own cupel fountain, which I highly recommend. And I mean, that was a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, easy choice. <laughs> uh -huh. And yeah, um, Crescent Island is really, really cool. I think it really goes a long way to like adding to the atmosphere and the mood of the game. Like it totally, it's just really cool to leave it when you go off to go to Yafatoma. And then you come back after Yafatoma and you see like it's all built up and you're just like, oh my God, and the music's changed and it's just really, mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, for me, like the town building part. And it's and it's funny because like sometimes town building games, despite my affection for Suikoden annoy me, like when I played like Nikuni 2, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such micromanaging crap. It's the um, Nikuni 2! I didn't really like that game, so maybe. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but I do like that there's just a little bit of level of customization. You give a little bit more money, and like you're you're sort of steadily getting more things as it goes. Um, and I I like that um, you're gone for long enough, as you said, that like it seems realistic that the place would be built back up because it's like, huh, where are these two guys come from? Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it is um, it, it's a delightful little home base. I wish it was maybe a little more central um, to yeah. the rest of the map. But other than that, I, I, it was so hard for me to find like that little uh, 
I don't know, tunnel that I had to go through before I was able to fly above things that um, it frustrated me. But otherwise, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's in a really, it's like north of NASA and west of Valois, which is a, feels like a really stupid decision given who you're like going up against. Like, and also like the fact that Valois and NASA are like potentially going to go to war again and you're like right in between the two like factions. It's like, yeah, well done, Vice. Well done. Location, location, location. <laughs> Convenience. I mean, it's in the shape of a crescent moon, so we need more moon symbolism, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, the base is super cool, and we'll go over crew probably towards the end, really, because I think that's like a big part of it. But um, so you f- sail off after getting Crescent Island. You go to Esperanza, which is definitely a misspelling of that word, which means hope. And uh, <laughs> this does the this does the Valua thing again a little bit here, doesn't it? I think, but. Like trying to f- force Vice's extreme optimism on people who've essentially given up, <laughs> but it's not too bad this time, I don't think. Uh, I didn't really have that as a person who levied that criticism very strongly last episode. Uh, I didn't think it was too bad here because, like, uh, you're talking to people, and again, I think the problem with that was that they went so hard on how bad it was for the lower city people. Yeah. And gosh, even later when uh, there's like a moon falling down on Valawa, they had to make sure you were aware of it again. Yep. To show like, oh, but what about my dress uh, for the upper city people? But I, here uh, I thought that uh, people talked about other things um, and it it wasn't hitting you over the head with it quite, quite as much, I thought. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a different kind of like, I mean, Don himself is kind of just like, I mean, I, I enjoy that this game censors like alcohol, but he's definitely, definitely drunk. Like, how do you like sell that for a game that take like censors alcohol out of it? Like, um, but he's just essentially given up. And a number of these people here are like have tried to sail through this place called the Dark Rift, um, and many of them have lost their friends, colleagues, lives, like partners, things like that. There. Um, and then they just give up because it's literally like the dividing force between them and the rest of the world and freedom. Um, so this town that was originally built by Valua as like a base is now like this like destitute, like not destitute, but it's like an abandoned place where people just go to live out the rest of their days. And yeah, Vice gives a few people a little bit of a whipping, I suppose. Um, yeah, you're definitely right. It's not too bad here, but like I definitely like when I rewatched it, I was like you could tone down a little bit and at least Ike is there to kind of hold you back this time. But all right, that's fine. Like my biggest criticism of Esperanza was how hard it was to find like around <laughs> yeah. a corner. Um, and like, I went all the way through the land of ice. Like I went all the way to one side, all the way back. And I'm like, wait a second, where is this? Um, and then eventually I just had to look up a guide because I could not find it. So that is my biggest criticism of Esperanza. Well, there you go. I mean, it's about discovering things and you did it. You just needed a little map in the form of the 21st century. So there you go. In the form of watching a Let's Play to show me how to get to it. Yeah. In my day, when I played Skies of Arcadia, Let's Plays didn't exist. So In my day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is where you meet your final, final member of the Armada, um, Gregorio, who happens to be uh, Enrique's uncle. And Gregorio is very different. He's kind of like the Letzer in a way. Like, he's not someone who enjoys using violence he's got a pretty big reputation um as the i think he's called the iron wall um and he's a very like he's like moderate he knows his place and he doesn't want to bring any harm to enrique basically um 
he has a really really good moment towards the end of the game for sure um but like him and Belletta both do uh but yeah his fight's interesting because this is really your first armada fight with the delphinus at this point so this is kind of your first time to really see it in action properly Uh, can we talk about how busted the delphinus is oh (laughs) so good yeah (laughs) it's it's so cool it's so cool i think i love like I love how, like, what? How did I put it last time? Um, I enjoy the little Jack because, like, it feels like you're this tiny little boat going up against all against all the odds, but you are just a fishing boat at the end of the day. And then the game decides to do the complete like 360 and go like, all right, so you've had this fishing boat. We're now going to give you a prototype planet destroying weapon boat now, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, um. But yeah, it, it's it's really fun to like play around with that, and um, yeah, the Moonstone Cannon is absolutely busted. I just feel like the defenses are higher too. Like I don't remember what the stats were. Maybe I just got better at the game. I don't know. But like second half of this game with ship battles, I was like, oh, it's the third round and it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah, man. Even against like the final ship battle boss, which is supposedly supposed to be something that's more powerful that Valua built, and even there, it's like, oh got it but man every time that animation for the moonstone cannon came out oh so Hype. so delightful so, so good delightful. it's so good never yeah, feels less satisfying one of my favorite game favorite part of the game <laughs> not, one of them not every time i see that symbol i'm like right put your increment on do this do that do that and i'm like make sure your torpedo like fires on that and make sure that your three inch cannon is also going to shoot on that one make sure you're going to get four hits on one turn that you do like one hundred twenty thousand damage and it's like bye it's like you watch the gigas sink onto the sky and just like bye bye um it's very satisfying um the fight with gregorio is interesting because it's one of those ones that relies on choice again a little bit like you have to kind of dodge out of the way of his ship quick enough because he rams into you um but he's a lot smaller than the delphinus um but he kind of leaves honorably um and we'll talk a little bit more about him later but then one of skies's other gimmicks that only comes up a few times is the dark rift and one other dungeon i hate the other one more um but you hate it more than the dark rift Ooh, i hate I the know. more of tartarus more than the dark rift oh, the dark uh, rift is an airship dungeon which i think in practice is cool except they take a map away from you and i'm used to having a map in dungeons and skies because i know you don't have a map in front of you when you're on the world map but like the dark rift i think is really interesting in a like story and lore perspective but it is a pain in the backside to get around in oh yeah yeah i mean i i i got lost so many times in there and i was like i i'm gonna i gotta get all my chests like i'm gonna go through all these different portals and vortexes and i have no idea where i am um and uh, i got turned around like seven times in there yeah um to me i I, I, like you said i I like the idea of the ship dungeons but in both cases the choices they made about them to make them both like dark and confusing and difficult to navigate and um just generally mostly unpleasant to look at um although this one was better than uh the, the second one on that front they have to be like ship graveyards yeah yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I guess I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, uh, d- did not enjoy. Yeah, I mean, the Dark Rift is basically supposed to be the Bermuda Triangle, right? Um, that's what its equivalent is in the real world, and that's what it's based off of. Um, 
But I think it's a really cool idea, and there's certainly like implications in the Dark Rift that there may have been a seventh moon um, at some point. Oh, yeah, the Black Moon. Mm-hmm. The Black That's moon. pretty neat. Yeah, the Black Moonstone. So I think it's really cool. I wish the game went into that a little bit, but I also kind of get why, because like, it's old history, isn't it, right? Like, Not many people know about the Reigns of Destruction at this point, and people only find out about it through learning through other people's culture and stuff. Um and obviously you find a crew member in there because you find Polly's husband in there, don't you? Robinson? Um, Robinson, yep. Yeah, yep. you have to go back and get him. Um, definitely not um, shipwreck. Um, many different um, novels from the 18th century, I think, have gone into the inspiration of this game. Um, but yeah, the Dark Rift is cool and frustrating and weird and yeah those portals that you go through because they all look so similar it's like and then if you go through the wrong one it takes you right back to the beginning doesn't it or like back to the previous room so yeah um but then you end up on the other side and you end up in asia like just asia just the whole of asia um yafatoma is cool i think generally um we'll gloss over the fact that the villains are definitely stereotypes again um maybe but Yafitoma is the Water and Wind Kingdom, and I really like the way it's laid out, even if it is, again, a pain in the backside to navigate, kind of like Ixataka. Like, you have to use these little, like, tub boats um, to, like, get around on the islands. Yeah, but that, like, that felt like a fun gimmick as it's opposed cute. to, like, ladders that take you 17 <laughs> minutes to walk up and down. Um, so I thought I thought Yafitoma was awesome. I oh, it yeah. Was a really cool town. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's so fun. Um I just really like the design of it as well. It's very, very cool. Um, but yeah, I still think it's really funny, like an aside, like that all of the people who run the Sailor's Guild are all the same, like white dude. Like, why would you not have like something more appropriate in every kingdom? I guess. But we're not made out of character models. Are you kidding me? I know, right? I know it's crazy. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, Yafatoma is really fun to navigate, I think. Um, it's one of those ones, like, I like going around Ixataka and up the ladders and down the, the slide in particular to the inn. I think that's really fun. But obviously it's more, it's a bigger town and it's more of a pain, but, like, actually, like, using the paddle boats to, like, open the gates and, like, get to secret areas in the town, I think is really cool. Um, but you obviously meet the princess and you have to go to Mount Kazai, which is where the Blue Moon Crystal is situated. And last week I was talking about a dungeon I probably hated more than Moonstone Mountain. And it's this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a fun dungeon. <laughs> it's a nightmare because, you know, you get like, you get like this massive, like, sp- I can only call it a space suit because that's a bit, it's a deep dive suit, isn't it? Right. And yeah. you have to like walk through water areas. But there's these rooms where you have to like drop down holes to land on platforms. And the camera like shifts every time you do it. So it's like you can't tell which platform you're going to land on. And then if you miss, you've got to walk all the way back. And the movement is so slow. And it's just like, I'll never remember every time to land on the right place. I mean, how did everybody else feel about Mount Kazai? I just had recently played the um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. and they had an underwater segment that's very similar. So I was like, oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> but sarcastically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I. Uh... Didn't mind it too much, uh, except for that room, honestly. Like, that room, I eventually just, again, 
pulled up a let's play and I was like, which one do I fall down? Cause there's no way I could figure it out. Um, that part was annoying, but the rest of it, like I liked the music. Um, oh, yeah. and I thought that like the atmosphere was appropriate. Um, so I didn't mind it too much, but yeah, that part, the platform part, like the obsession with like looking down at things in this game. I don't know where that comes from. Right. Uh, but anytime they have the impulse to make you look down at something to figure out what you're supposed to do, it's a bad move. Do you think like, not to like make a sweeping assumption, but a lot of the team that made this, there were people who made like Fantasy Star. Um, and do you think that maybe they were like, this is the first 3D RPG we've made. Let's like explore all of the avenues and all of the corners we can use. We can look down now. Like, <laughs> I think that's definitely a part of it, but like they, they managed to pull so many things from other games, like in terms of combat or exploration um, and kind of like refine them really well, that it's frustrating. That it was like that one thing yeah. <laughs> that was just like a dumb gimmick that, uh, and other parts of the game that obviously like, I've criticized, but that was the part where I'm just like, well, what are you thinking? Like, it's not like I, I don't have the, the right spatial awareness for it or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I found myself this time around um, realizing that the camera is never your friend at any point in Skies of Arcadia, but most of the content, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the places are easy enough to navigate that you don't need fine tuned camera control. But as soon as something comes into play where you do, you realize, oh, this is squirrely, isn't it? Oh yeah, it like it really likes to like yank itself back right behind Vice all the time. It feels like you're fighting it a little bit. Um, so yeah, not my favorite dungeon. Again, the mood is cool. Um, I think it's one of those ones that you know when you have like games that you love and you always remember this one section that you did as a kid and that you got really stuck on. And I think this was one of them because there's that corridor where you have to like keep filling up the room with water, and those statues can turn you to stone. And I think as a kid, I never kind of got my head around like status effects items or status effect like equipment. And so I'm just like, how do I stop them? And then it's like, oh, wait, I need one of those things on. What are they called? Um, oh, never mind. They're, they've, they've got a name and I'll see them and I remember them because I see one and I'm like, you are going on Fina right now. Um, and then there's the boss at the end, um, which uh, does, um, uh, oh, God, an invulnerability move on and off throughout the fight. Oh, yes, the turtle. Uh, yeah, Tortigar and um, also... Tortigar is just one of my favorite names for an enemy ever, just for the record. <laughs> I used that for online screen names for years after this came out. <laughs> Beautiful, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so he does like silver skin and then um, he's also like uses Sekrulen, um partway through the fight. Um, it's fine if you're just doing the, you know, buff up, use Prophecy, because Prophecy is an immediate, like, it overrides every other action in the game. But if you don't know about Silver Skin and you don't know about Sacred Len, then, you know, it's a pain in the backside, which I didn't know as a kid. And I was just like, I've just been trying to fight this thing for 10 minutes. And it's just like, why is bosses should not be allowed to heal one of those, like, stroppy moments. But I think, yeah, I think generally it's better than I remember it. But, like, I still don't like Mount Kazai for how slow it is um but you did meet earlier and someone you have to like interact with later because obviously the two king's advisors have been like plot working with valor and beletsa and vigoro are here you have to have a ship fight with vigoro later which is okay it's one of the i mean we've already talked about how easy the ship fights are at this point in the game um so probably won't go into it too much um but before that you have to go to tenko island um you'd already fought zao mao and then you meet diago who is Moegi's brother. And Diogo's, Diogo's cool, I think. 
Diogo's like a goof. I kind of wish Diogo was on your crew at some point. I think he'd be fun. Yeah, he would have been a fun party member. Yeah, I mean, I just I like I like his whole affect, but I actually think that because the, the invasion happens before you go to his island, right? Yes, uh, I think so. Yeah, but I, I, um, yeah, I thought he was a cool character, and Valetta being here also improved the section of the game dramatically. So, Valetta <laughs> <laughs> is great. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, the invasion happens while you're in Mount Kazai, if I remember. So you come back from Mount Kazai, and they uh, Valua are there, like negotiating with the emperor, um, and they're kind of hesitant about it. Um, and I think you run away because I believe Moegi or someone. I can't remember; it's really bad. Um, but you basically That's have correct. to. You have to run yes, away. Yes, she. You? Um, she helps you escape. Yeah. Yeah, Valor are after you, so you, the only way you can get off the island is by escaping, and she takes you to Tenko Island, where you go and get Diago's help, basically, and then you go and fight him. So you have five Igaro, and then, surprise, surprise, the Gigas wakes up, because the Blue Moon Crystal's in the possession of the advisors, and Blue Aim is definitely a bit of a step down, I think, from Grendel and um, Rekumen in terms of the fight. Like, he does so much less damage. Like, that was the fight that I remember as a kid being like, oh, why is he only doing, like, 3,000 damage? It's like taking, like, a slither of health off. But I don't know if anyone had, like, any problems with him at all or... No, that was actually surprisingly easy for me. <laughs> it was, yeah. No, I mean, all all ship battles in the second half of this game are pretty easy. So this was maybe the easiest. Yeah. Oh, see, like, if... I love there's one the, the 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 one of the last ones is one of my favorites but again it's probably because of playing it and finding it really difficult as a kid um and because of the spectacle of it like it's a giant fortress like of course I'm going to be excited to take this thing down now it's just satisfying to take it down in like two laser beams right like <laughs> um but yeah Yafatoma I think is definitely where things like I think the minute you get the delphinus like things go start like it get more interesting and like more exciting and I think Yafatoma is definitely maybe the one of the best handled areas in the game. Um, and then you discover that the world is round, which I think is a really fun discovery. Like, especially playing it in 2022 when like flat earthers are such a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to sit there and smirk. But it's funny because like um, JRPG world map geography does not translate well to round worlds because... I don't want to get into it, but if you like fold it, it's not going to make a round world. But you know, <laughs> I love that you know that. I mean, it, was, it doesn't like it. Just, yeah, that's true. Actually. It doesn't. I just I remember reading it a long time ago, and then just going like, "Wait, what?" And I was like, "Oh no, my immersion." I'm like, and this is sitting there with a map, like this oh, immersion breaking round world. Oh, that's where no. the flat earthers come in. It's more like a cone, actually. But yeah. <laughs> Let's wait until they say that. What's that joke? Like, we'd know if the world was flat because cats would push things off the edge of it. That's like a joke that I read once. <laughs> um, but yeah, you go back to Crescent Island, you get your very first Delphinus upgrade. So I think now's a good time before we move on with the plot to go on to Discoveries because, boy, does the world open up to you at this point. You get to go above the clouds. And, oh my, how fun is this? Um... So this isn't like the last um, upgrade you get. You get one that lets you go into the deep sky. You get a stronger hull, which I think you also get here as well. Um, yes. Because you yeah. can like break through the ice in the lands of ice. Um, but essentially, like things just begin to like ma like. Not only do they like open up, it's like 
it like it's like not pandora's box opening but like some other metaphor that's like well there you go you've cracked the egg open and then it's all there for you um so yeah we've touched on discoveries on and off but like is there any like really memorable discoveries anyone found or anyone you can talk about any of them like at any point in the game because i think really this is what makes i think Solosi said it this way i think arcadia is also a character in skies of arcadia like this is a world that like the lore of Arcadia is not hugely important, but it's something that you discover yourself, and it's just so fun because every mm. discovery has got like flavor text about it. It's just super fun. Um, but yeah, if anyone's got one, let me know, or I can go first. <laughs> I really like the uh, flying machine that you find at the bottom of the <laughs> world, and it's just like we don't know how it got here, but uh, it could fly, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I, and I'm just like all right like i was just like i feel like you were just like not sure what to write about this and i loved that uh there were also like some like golden flying birds that i discovered that were cool oh yeah there's (laughs) a um that that flying machine is a gamecube edition so i'm actually not even surprised that they're just like oh this would be cool to put in here how do we make it fit into the world's lore like we're not even gonna try (laughs) that was incredible i like the whole ixinus village Oh yeah. Oh, that's linked to a bounty as well. You have to find that um to get to fight the XNS demon. I think you have to get it to um have Tika Tika join you. You do, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty so cool. That was a pretty neat one. Yeah, I like that. And one. Spice Island, because I like yeah. food. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool because like you get some of those spices throughout the game and then you're like find out where they're from and it's like Oh yeah, it makes sense now. I mean, you actually have to go to that discovery to complete yep. a side quest too. You do, one of the yes. Abrick Chams. Yeah. Yep, for one of the Abrick Chams, you have to. It's the daughter. The daughter runs the tavern in Esperanza, doesn't she? And the mother mm-hmm. runs the kebab shop in Maramba, and you have to like go between them, and you have to like the daughter has to make the her mother's secret recipe for the kebabs and take them back. And yeah, it's a really cool quest, actually. I think it's mm-hmm. a cute I one. It was fun. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the rabbits. Yes! <laughs> T- tiny little flying rabbits yes! that live their entire life clinging to the underside of a lua. It's, oh, it's beautiful. I love them. <laughs> yep. I did not discover that one. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they got like big ears that are translucent and they look like bat wings. It's very cool. It's one of the ones I found this morning, actually. I was like, I'm going to find the rabbits. It was like the first thing I did. I was like, I know where these are. <laughs> yeah, I think all the animal ones are really fun. And like, this does like um, Wes's rabbits. Like, this is like. Uh, rapids are always my first thought which is tales of the abyss but like japanese rpgs love to like smoosh together two different animal names to make a brand new animal it's like fuzzy felt animal time and you've got dursi as well which are deer moose um which i think are really cool and then there's these like gorilla type monsters as well that you can just find um and i think all of the animals there's also just ice birds which are really just giant penguins everybody um and they're so cute it's like he's like waddling around and i'm just like oh this is like my favorite area anyway but you're gonna put penguins there i love it i'm just gonna stay here forever um but yeah um there's some really difficult ones as well um another one that i love that's a little bit hard to find um it's called the paper airship and it's literally just a paper airplane flying around around the lands of ice yeah, um, i think i almost got it and then i lost it and i was like wait the discoveries move and that's when i realized discoveries move i said this long <laughs> that, there you go then you were not listening last time because i <laughs> no, said I, that. this had already happened before we recorded the last one uh, 
excuses songs (laughs) yeah um two infamous ones are the flutterflies and the wanderbirds um they like the flutterflies in particular i think their flight pattern spans the entire width of the map so it's like slightly north of um sailor's island and you just have to go above the clouds and either you can save and restart and it'll respawn them somewhere nearby or you just sit and wait there for what could be half an hour um, I got lucky. I actually got them, and then I ran into them two more times. Then, wow! Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right for you, considering how many <laughs> moonbirds you got. But yeah, um, another one that I love that is also the Wonderbirds. Um, that's similar. I think they fly the whole breadth of Yafitoma, and you have to like sit at the very top of Mount Kazai and wait for them to fly over you. Um, but yeah, some of the moving ones are my favorite, um, like the Sky Train um, as well. I think one of the wreck ships is called the Flying Dutchman, was, which is a little bit fun. Um, and the last one I want to bring up, which is a really silly one, well, not silly, it's kind of cool, um, is the Ancient Palace, um, which is in Valor. Um, and it kind of like shines a light on like a lot of what Valor used to be, because, you know, Valor itself, not the town, but like the area is so like dingy and like um because it's in perpetual darkness like it's just completely like barren but there's this like mansion that's by a lake which for the record there is no lake because it's dried up there's no water in that lake and there's like law or like people in valor um there's like local myth that wizards there and live there and torture people and i'm like i want to know more about this um so there's like really interesting things that just feed you a little bit into like Arcadia's history. And I think like, I think it's cool that not a lot of people talk about it or if they do, like they mention it very briefly or like it, it genuinely feels like this is a world you're discovering. I just think it's so cool that like you're kind of finding that world's history and digging out like the discoveries is like with the crew, it's my favorite part of the game. Like, I almost always go for all of them, um, even if it is a pain to get some of them. But I just, I love getting them before Domingo gets them. So I get more money, um, which is hard to do. Um, Unless you're like doing them sequentially, it's almost impossible to do. Um, But yeah, um, it's just a really fun thing. And I cannot think, I think we compared, we used Xenoblade, didn't we really? Um, Last time as an example, Um, like Xenoblade has like interest points that you, get like experience points for and you can warp to and things like that and it's like one of the only other games i think that does this kind of thing um but it's yeah it's just super fun especially when you get all of those like increased mobility options because going above the sky means no random encounters and that's great um yay (laughs) um but then the video game remembers that there's two more there's three more moons left to do and we go to the ice kingdom and uh this feels like a little bit rushed i feel like um i mean i love the ice kingdom so much like ice is my favorite element and i love glacier a ton and i love the idea again this is like one of the only times where you get a real good insight into like the history of arcadia via the plot it's like these wizards lived under the ice and they built buildings that were like icicles and you can go back under the lands of ice after you get like the below the deep sky um Mm -hmm. sailing and you see them all sticking out of the like ice and it's one of the coolest things ever and Mm -hmm. the dungeon itself is easy um you have to like answer some quiz questions um to get in there because you know um the ice kingdom is all about knowledge um and so they just ask you like 
random questions like what color is the moon for ice or something like that and it's like i'm literally like <laughs> i could stick my head out and look but you know um but yeah and then you get there and it's like this really misty place that uncovers and this is like maybe my favorite dungeon design in anything ever even like i mean like visually like i don't mean like the layout because it's just kind of boring but like the idea that like these like icicle buildings are hanging there i'm like totally impractical do i love it yes i do does this have the saddest plot moment in the game yes it does sure does oh so we're not really like there's not a lot of talk about the purple gigas and as a kid and even like until like maybe maybe 10 years ago i never really added up like it never felt obvious to me that rachnum was purgoth like the purple gigas and yeah, you get to the end of the dungeon um, and you find Drachma there. And obviously Drachma went off to chase after Rachnum and Rachnum is there, wounded and dying. And this is like, like on top of like Drachma's story about his son Jack, um, we kind of like skipped over it last week, but um, Drachma, I don't know if anyone else wants to go into Drachma's story actually before I can stop talking. He lost his son and crew fishing vessel crew to Rachnum. Mm-hmm. That's right. Which, and his arm yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and he'd been chasing after him and then like obviously the harpoon cannon he got to take him down and he managed to do it but he was dragged into the glacier or the ruins of ice and he stayed with him until he died. Like, it's a really touching moment. Like, a really touching moment. Um... Because, you know, you think, like, Drachna's whole purpose has been to, like, avenge his crew and avenge his son. And then he just feels sorry for Plurgoth at this point. It's, like, it's really, really beautiful, actually, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's, uh, like I said to you, like, it shows, like, a level of maturity that most of the cast uh, lacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I agree. empathy. Um, which is, you know, makes sense. He's old and they're young. Um, so I, I I can buy that, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's I think it's maybe like the only moment of like real pathos in the whole game. Oh yeah, um, and it is appropriate to everything that you know about Drachma, like the um, even like the moment which I might have you know when I was younger thought was over the top of like you know um, Rachnum like crying as it's dying um, is really uh, touching and moving, and that idea of um, Drekma is sort of a caretaker and like he wasn't able to take care of his son, but he's able to take care of this creature. Uh-huh. Um, I thought was really lovely. I thought the dungeon in general was too, but I was like, wait a second. I just got here. Why am I leaving already? Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. The land of ice. And like, I mean, I understand why going to Valor and the more of Tartarus is really short because you've been to Valor so many times at this point that it's like, you don't really need to dwell on it anymore. Um, but yeah, like the lands of ice are literally like you go, you do the dungeon, you go again. Um, but like the other part of Plurgoth is that like they said, didn't they? Um, or Fina says that um, it's just a normal arc whale that the people of the Purple Kingdom put a crystal into. So Rackman's probably been in pain. I'm switching between the two names for what? Thousands of years. Like that's why he doesn't stay in stasis. He's just flying around the whole time because He's overtaken by this like magic of this crystal and can't control it. And none of it was his fault, basically. It's it's really sad. And 
yeah as a kid i was always like oh, i don't really care because like i didn't like drachma because like why but now like as i'm older i know don't worry young me was stupid it's fine we acknowledge that like young me deserved not to appreciate well i was gonna say something i was like deserve not to appreciate this game that doesn't make sense um young me was wrong about drachma like older me is right about drachma because like I like look up to Drachma and I'm like, yeah, I I feel really sorry for you. And like, like Zach said, this is pretty much the only moment of pathos in the game. I think that like pays off as well. Like, yeah, it's a really, really lovely moment. And like the Land of Ice, it, it feels like a shame that like that entire section of the game is so like swept under a little bit. It's just like, yes, this is like its own section and you're never going to find out anything about it. It makes sense, given that that civilization got wiped out by the rains because they were all out fighting it. But it would have been really interesting and like even a moment of like if the civilization had lasted and they'd like got descendants, seeing them like trying to make reparations for maybe what their ancestors did to the arc whales, because you know, that's like interfering with nature. Like and even like burying the gigas or something like that. Cause yeah, the rest of them are just like almost like biomechan not mechanical, but there's like something I can't think of a right way to put it, but like not plastic, but there's something definitely artificial about the rest of them. Whereas Ragnum is just straight up a arc whale that they stuck a gem into and it's like magic. Um but yeah, um second ship dungeon time now though, which yay, more of Tartarus. <laughs> and Yelagar as well, which is like a spider scorpion thing. I don't know. Again, like it does like 3,000 damage a hit and it's fine. Um, but around this time, you find out that Enrique is planning to go back home because he thinks he's done enough to convince his mother to stop. Like he thinks he's learned enough about the world. And obviously now Moegi is with you on the crew and he's like, no, I want to convince her that she's doing the wrong thing. Um, and so after you do Yelagar, he goes and you go to Dangrel Island to... Oh, is it after Dangrel Island? Someone might have to remind me. He um, leaves a little bit later than this. It's oh. after the uh, Reigns of Destruction is when he leaves. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. He does... Um, They do the Reigns of Destruction on... Well, no, because he's in Valor when the Reigns of Destruction go off. Because he nearly dies. Everyone thinks he's dead, right? That is... Yes, that's true, but I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be misremembering. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think they do summon one as an example, don't they? They do it as, like, in an area, and he's like, no, I've got to go because I need to tell my mother to go. That's right. They want to evacuate. And then he decides to go back. I think it's after it's after the deep sky. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so you do do a number of different things, but you go down to Dangrel Island to find out you will get the lower engine to go and get Fina's airship because this is the next thing you want to do is like, because you've got all the other moon crystals, they're like, well, where's the silver moon crystal? And Fina's like, well, we're going to have to go to my home, which is on the moon or by the moon. And you go and retrieve her ship. Um, Dangrel Island is okay. Um, and you have to fight Vigoro again, which again is easy. Also, world's longest elevator, right? Like, <laughs> game likes like big ladders and big elevators, doesn't it? I mean, the the elevators come a bit later, but yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, this is also the moment where, um, what's his name, um, Gregorio? Yeah, Gregorio. Yeah, uh, because because Galcian, uh, you know, attacks you there, and Gregorio. Because um, we skipped over this a little bit, but Galcian 
very recently had said to uh, everybody at Valua that he was going to, um, or the admirals or whatever, that he was going to just basically take over. Um, uh-huh. And uh, Gregorio um, steps in to save you in that situation, um, which is a really lovely moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, the way he um, talks about, you know, that. And it also does a good job of indicating the power of Galcian too. I always like in games when they make an effort to show you how powerful a character is. Yeah. And I think they do a nice job with that. Yeah. And I think actually now that you say it, now that I remember, um, I think it is actually Gregorio's death that kind of prompts Enrique to go. Now that I think about it, a mix of that and the reins, he's like, no, I can't like lose anyone oh, else in yeah. my family kind of thing right. well because he, he discovers galcian's plot and so yeah. that's when he decides to go back yeah. yeah to tell his mother and then there's that whole moment where like enrique goes there and beletza is also there as well and she like tries to fake out of it but she's like double bluffing and she like knocks enrique out and escapes with him um and then she like joins up with him and they try and escape um which i think is a cool moment because she's trying to help you out um but yeah um so you get the ship parts to make a deep engine so you can go and get her ship oh does anyone does anyone actually do deep sky without a map like <laughs> no certainly not <laughs> as, soon, as soon as they explained it to me i was like i'm not doing that and then i was like oh there are items i need too okay great and then i was in and out of there in like three minutes and it was delightful <laughs> mm. so you have to like sonar the ground to get like Fina's ship but if you do it, and, and then you can like use a crane to pull out an item from the bottom. But if it's not the right thing, you're just wasting like, what is it, like a 20 second animation of the crane going in? Also, like if you use 10, you have to reset. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's only got enough energy to do 10, hasn't it? Yep. Yeah, not my favorite moment. So, so yeah. it didn't bother me at all because I just cheated. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like... 12 year old me had a printer and printed out like a little map that's got like specifically like every grid like colored in and then like all the ones are black don't touch and then it's got the two yellow grids which is for the valorium which you mm. use to make vices well second best weapon on the gamecube yes and then the other one for fina's ship and the minute you get fina's ship you can never come back here so if you don't get the valorium first you can fail and you'll never get the ultimate weapon, um, which you also need to get for 100% completion um, and to do the psych- the secret boss. Um, but you get to satisfyingly blast a loco to death and make sure he sinks under the sea where he kind of belongs. Um, I don't like DeLoco. He freaks me out and is weird and just... He's got major incel energy, for sure. <laughs> major incel energy, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. But then eventually you do get to go to the moon, um, but not before Ramirez destroys your village. Sephiroth moment part two. Um, <laughs> but I think this is really interesting because like it's an indication of like, again, I guess his power, um, but also like oh, it, it's this moment that it's revealed that like every person of the silver civilization has a piece of the crystal inside them. So he tries to take it out of Fina and then he can't because... Uh, I think they just overpower him a little bit. Um, But there's a real moment like the next morning where everyone like comes together to rebuild the island, which I really love. Um, I think that's a really cool moment, especially because it's like you feel like a bit of an attachment to the island at this point um, because you as yourself have been building up with the crew and stuff like that. So to see everybody Mm -hmm. else like putting the effort into it, I think is really cool, especially the bit where um, uh, 
Ursula or Ulala is like chasing after the chickens. And yes. I, I find that's really cute. Laura, Lawrence is too. Oh yeah. Uh, La- who, <laughs> Lawrence is like, why were these chickens? Get, like, I can't, I can't chase them all. And I'm like, Oh, Lawrence, my boy. Uh, it was so good. I paid you a hundred thousand gil Lawrence and you can't even chase a chicken <laughs> or 10,000. I don't remember how much it is. Um, but yeah, you get to go to the moon, which is fun. I love this bit. This is so like, I remember being like, oh my god as a kid like the weird controls the way that it goes upside down the fact that the floor goes tink 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 every time you move and mm-hmm. it's just cool um pain in the ass to get all the treasure chests and everything but like hey, if you get lost you find all the treasure chests don't yeah. worry oh <laughs> <laughs> and that's what i did yeah don't worry. But yeah it's such a weird moment for the game and like it's definitely I don't know. You obviously expect it by this point, I think, and it makes sense being a silver civilization that they would be up in the moon. But then you find out like all of the implications of the silver civilization. Like, why is there no silver moon? There is a silver moon. Why is there no silver kingdom on Arcadia? Well, because they're all up in the sky, and they're the people who called the rains of destruction down in the first place. Everybody. So, uh, Fina's technically been the bad person all along, but she's never really believed in that idea. Um, because well, she said, wasn't she wasn't aware of it. She wasn't aware of they it. They lied to right. her about it. Yeah, um, Ramirez was the one who first said something about it in the previous sequence. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, and he knew about he found out about it, and I think that's why he kind of defected in the end, isn't it? He like. Well, the the reason that Ramirez defects, according to the side quest, is that like some admiral. He was like saying like he didn't like the way they were treating people in Ixataka and some and he says it in front of Galcian, like, oh, this admiral told me they were going to fix it. And Galcian laughs right. at him about it. And then the admiral doesn't do what he said he said he's gonna do. So then he decides he's gonna enslave everyone instead. It's very logical. Um yeah, right. but uh yeah, that's 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 Ramirez's uh JRPG backstory. Yeah, I remember that now. It's not uh <laughs> honestly i'd rather them just give him no backstory at all just make him a, a megalomaniac because gaussian i think is a better is a better villain for that reason mm-hmm. like he's just a megalomaniac because he is and so i'm like okay cool i could get behind some kafka energy here but like um like ramirez like they're trying to make him into something that he's clearly not meant to be <laughs> right exactly yeah he's I, like again i like him but um yeah i definitely hate the silver civilization maybe a little bit more than anyone else maybe i don't know maybe not as much as galcian because galcian is just like power hungry and bloodthirsty i mean i, mean, I, I don't really understand how they're i, I guess that the argument because like what they're trying to do is create a second reign of destruction that's why yeah. they sent ramirez and fina down to do it because they the reason they did it the first time was that society sucked so bad and like the backstory they tell about how bad society sucks for the first reign of destruction is like Sounds pretty rough. Hmm. Like the reason the Gigas existed was basically to like take power from other kingdoms and like people were just yes. dying in swaths. And maybe just like it's them telling the story, right? So it sounds bad. Um, and maybe that's what they see Valoa as. And they're trying to get rid of Valoa, I guess. And like they're seeing them as like the evil force in the world. I don't know. Like at least they have a reason. <laughs> okay, I don't agree with it, but at no, least they have ex- a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Fina like pushes against it at least because you know she's a friend. good person she's a good person um yeah fina's like we didn't really talk about fina much last time did we so if we touch on her a little bit now because this is kind of like kind of the end of her arc a little bit um she kind of reaches the point where she's like well actually i say that um she does get a cool pirate outfit post credits doesn't she or cupel gets an eye patch oh yeah you just beat a screenshot of that i know i should sure hope you would 
I forget you, things quickly. It was very cool. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fina, I like Fina a lot. I think she like fits her role perfectly. Um, but I don't know whether anyone else has got like any feelings about Fina in particular. Um, just cute. I like Fina. Um, I like her. I like Ika better. Um, and I like Baletza way better. But um, yep. I like I I I she's fine. She's just she's kind of there. I mean, like she's nice. She doesn't have. I feel like she doesn't get a lot of actual character development. She mostly gets a lot of plot development, which is fine. Yes. Um, for a character who you're not with the entire game, I just feel like I don't. I just don't feel like I knew her as well as I knew Ika in particular. Ika, who I just like had a bigger personality, I guess. But, um, but I, I mean, I like Fina. She, but she was definitely the least useful party member. Um, like I like the way guarding... she. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I li- I like the way she interacted with the other characters as well. Yeah, That's fair enough. She's definitely like. Um, no, I agree with you. Like, she is definitely developed by the plot and like her she is the driving force of the plot anyway isn't she because like you're going on this journey because of her like she wants you to do this so you're doing it and that's where her kind of purpose begins and ends like she's just going around to get moon crystals and stuff and this is like really her only moment of like that apart from the moment where the game's like do you want to date Ika or do you want to date Fina I'm like I don't want to date either of them like they're just friends like why what is this game? What is what is RPG's obsessions with making me want to date one of them? I mean, obviously, Ika and Vice are like pretty good for each other, but also, I just no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, um, she's fine. I think I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know, if Wes, if you've got any like strong feelings. Yeah, I I always feel like she's more an element of the plot than a character in her own right. Uh, and when you've got a cast with so many big personalities, she gets drowned out pretty easily. The little moments that she does have tend to be pretty good, but they're just kind of few and far between, and they're not as pronounced as everyone else's big moments. Mm-hmm. She brings Cupid to the party, though, and I feel like that's like more that's, than that's enough. Fair. That's worth that's some fair. points. That's yeah. worth many points, I would say. Yeah. Um, so you go, you leave the shrine, and then after your island's rebuilt, you get a bunch well, of... Well, it's important to mention before you leave the shrine that Ramirez oh. and Galcian show up, oh, and they yes. actually kill the Elder, and that's where they get the silver crystal from. That's right. They do that, and that's not really ideal, because here comes the reins <laughs> of destruction for real, and... Yeah, so you go back and you get this really cool moment where, like, well, Vice is almost going to, like, give up, essentially. Um, and then, like, everybody starts coming back. Like, Enrique's not dead. Um, the reigns of, They do call down the Reigns of Destruction on Valois specifically. And this is where Theodora and Alfonso get squashed. Kind of, like, I don't think it's meant to be funny, but it's just, like, one big block. And I'm like, all right. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you think that Enrique and Belletza are dead as well, or everybody does. Um, they're not, because um, they just managed to get out in time, and they turn up at your base, and Moegi's like very happy because Enrique's not dead, and um, everybody Yay. comes together. It's this really cool moment where like every single like group that you've ever met. So like you've got Hans's like father come back, um, you've got like the Tenko army, you've got Baltor, and you've got like Vice is father and like the rest of the blue rogues and gilda's ship and the crew and clara and everybody and it's just this really really cool moment of everyone coming together mm. and then you get this really big um you go back to dongrel island at some point as well don't you to find um out the um hydra it's all like the ship something about the um fortress the hydra being built um which is when the lift like collapses because you're trying to stop them from raising the continent with the moon crystals 
and that's right before the reigns of destruction are called and that's where um oh god the lift collapses and then see this is where i should have replayed most of this because i'm just like <laughs> no, the lift collapses and then you try to get into Soltis and you can't because they have like a big giant uh force field around it and they're like like well we can't get into this we're screwed um and so then they go back to crescent island to regroup and then vice is all emo sad boy for a minute <laughs> and then that's when everybody shows up yeah exactly so i got things in the wrong order i'm really sorry that's um no big deal. but like yeah i think that moment is cool um and then you I have lovely i think that moment is amazing and then friendship is the real treasure Friendship is the real treasure. <laughs> and I love the sequence of fights afterwards. I love the fact that you just fight like army ship after army ship after army ship. And then it's the Hydra. As the kid, the Hydra was the hardest thing in the world to me. It's really easy now, but it's such a cool fight. I love the spectacle of it. I love how big it is. It's like the first thing you fought that's massively bigger than the Delphinus for a while. Like Yelagar is a little bit bigger than your ship, but like, and Blue Aims are pretty small then. Gigas, if you'd fought Rackham, one, I would have felt bad, and two, it's massive. Um, but yeah, the Hydra like genuinely feels imposing and kind of lives up to its reputation. If you don't spend shed loads of money on cannons and uh, wax and grease and things, and you know, but it's a very cool fight. I think. What does everyone think of the Hydra fight? I think that whole sequence is very cool, and just like the idea of like all these different armadas sort of around you to attack, you know, the one big Gaussian armada um, is very, very cool. Um, and yeah, the Hydra fight, like I like the attack animations that the Hydra has. I think those those are really cool. I think the very last one is even cooler, but um I like uh that that was I think the Hydra was probably tougher than actually the very last one. Yes. But um it yeah, I mean I just like the idea of it. And like you're so overpowered at that point that it's not an issue. As long as you have some complete kits and some Apo waxes, yeah. like you're going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the whole sequence is good. And you totally skipped over the the night before sequence. Like, oh. We get a night before sequence, yeah, which I I'm know you want to skip over. Yes, I do. You can try if you want, but it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to like skip over some things. And I'm like, yeah. I, d- <laughs> I mean, I wish that they'd stop. Like, Vice is like yeah okay voice is a little bit attractive but let's just like well but let's probably like mid-20s we were trying to work this out earlier um it's but like but let's definitely like has a thing for him although maybe but she's got a bigger thing for someone else yeah which is very a... strange <sighs> oh i hate i hate this plot device so much like they there's no so... reason for her to have a romantic interest in Gelsian. Right? there's none it's none it's just like because she recognizes that he's not good but she's still right. like, I love him. I'm like, no. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. yeah. She's such a badass too. I mean, like, why? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, why oh, would she's you? She's so cool. I know. Um, yeah, which um, unfortunately, like, I mean, like, eventually you do fight Galsy and one, like, four on one, which I think is a really cool fight. Um, if, again, you're not overpowered. Um, but, like... How like how long is that attack animation that he does? Like, uh, I ridiculous. had it on two times speed at that point. And I think it still took a good forty-five to fifty seconds. And like, if you do uh, that fight normally, he'll do it. Like, I've had fights where he does it like four times in a row, and I'm just like, <laughs> do you know what? I'm just gonna make a cup of tea. It's fine. I'm gonna. <laughs> for a bit. But it's a good fight, I think, because like, if it's one of the harder ones, if you're not like like really prepared for it and the hydra i would say the hydra is the hardest fight after reckon for sure like ship wise mm-hmm. like 
I don't think anything else comes close to those two fights. Um, but yeah, and then after you beat Galthian, um, well, you don't really beat him because he gets away in his escape pod. But Letza does the worst thing she could do and she crashes into it because she's like, if I'm going to die, I'll take him with me kind of thing. Or she like, she's willing to sacrifice herself basically because it means she'll be with him in a way, but also saving the world as well. Um, and I hate that. <laughs> I utterly hate that for her. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's yeah. been awful. I, I don't I don't appreciate that moment in the plot at all. That's cool. Let's let the girl die for the person she loves, who's an absolute bastard. <sighs> but yeah. Um so now I skipped over the fact that Saltis is absolutely Atlantis, but there you go. Um <laughs> uh, but my favorite thing about Saltis is there's a dungeon, it's okay. It looks very samey, but I love the fact. And I'd never thought about this a long time ago. Um, I'd said like the silver crystal like represents beginnings and ends or life and death. And I think it's really interesting. And again, maybe this is me thinking about this video game far too much through the last 21 years of my life. Um, that you start on Shrine Island and you end on Shrine Island. So you end at the beginning, basically. So it's like the whole moon crystal thing. See, look, everyone's gone silent again. But this is me like... Is this oh, not- well, actually, I haven't reached that part yet, so <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I feel like there's a YouTube video that you should make about this, Alana. No! <laughs> this is not like quite like Charlie Always Sunny Persona 2 level, but like, <laughs> you feel like that there is something there in that the whole game ends where you begin. I do think that's really cool, though, that you go to like Shrine Island and you're like right at the beginning and you're like, totally oblivious of like anything about the silver civilization up until that point yeah and when then, i was there well, the first time i was playing it with you you were like oh there's a reason it's called that i was like what are you even talking about and then i got there and i was like oh okay <laughs> it's almost like i've played this game 10 times <laughs> oh yeah i do think it's really cool um but yeah i think it's fun that that comes up and like it's funny how like the first couple of times i played the game like i don't think i'd ever realized the silver moon was there at all like in the sky and it's only when you have the delphinus that you actually notice the music changes when you're in that area like the harps come in don't they around when you're around like saltis and the kind of general silver area which is where pirate island is and things like that um i did not notice that yeah because you now get like the music changing with the ice kingdom because the little jack doesn't have a variation with that which is like i don't know um xylophone i guess or bells and then you get the Yafatoma one which is definitely koto strings and um any kind of percussion instruments that they use um but yeah it's cool um but obviously as we're kind of approaching the end of the game and um, i want to jump into a couple of the other optional things that we've not really talked about um one of those is something we've referred to a few times i guess of the moonfish um and these moonfish are connected to another side quest that was added in the dreamcast version um which is Piestol, which is the Angel of Death, which <laughs> is definitely a flavor of emo Japanese RPG. That um... I love the Piestol stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really well done. I think the fights, I actually think the Piestol fights, I mean, like eventually they become the same thing over and over again, where it's like you put up Delta Shield so she can't insta-kill you. Um, you put up Justice Shield if you have it so she can't kill you fast. And then you just wait to get Pirate's Wrath and then you hit the dog, dog's dead. And then you kill her. I mean, like it's it kind of becomes the same. But I, I thought early on it was like a a good challenge to teach you the intricacies of the battle system because, like, I think I was playing it in front of you. And I was like, I 
she just keeps killing me. I don't understand how to beat this. And you're like, maybe use Delta Shield. It's like, oh. Um, and like it, it kind of forces you to engage with the combat, which you know, a lot of the normal game probably doesn't. I was kind of using those strategies on normal fights, and they were maybe very easy because of that. Um, but I thought that was cool. Um, and like how you sort of slowly get the story of why she's trying to attack you um, is really cool. And the idea that the Moonfish and Piastol um, are connected is something you never would have guessed right um right yeah she thinks that you attacked her early but didn't um and her little sister is the one you've been helping this whole time yeah they're both Um, like valuing kids aren't they like yeah nobles yeah that's also where they introduce the crappy ramirez backstory too but the besides that like i thought that like the development of that story over time uh was really cool and, and the fights were challenging and fun and every time i got a black spot i was excited for like a new challenge mm-hmm. yeah that was something that uh made me on the GameCube version engage with the the combat and the mechanics way more than I ever had like throughout the entirety of playing through the Dreamcast version Mm -hmm. Um, because it taught me some of those lessons earlier on um, before I was so overpowered I didn't need to engage with the combat system anymore Um, so I was actually able to like be a little bit more thoughtful throughout the rest of the game thanks to those and uh, I think it's great to have them in there um, as actual road (laughs) uh, speed bumps for people. Mm, I agree. Yeah, I think she's really. I, I used to find her really challenging. Like, I think, I think a fourth phase is maybe not too bad, but like, I think it's either a second or a third was the one I always would struggle with the most. Um, because at that point, like, there's quite a big gap where you can't like travel back to um, Sailor's Island. I think it's the Afatoma break, and like, when you go back to Crescent Island, you've probably gone up like six levels and. One of the things the super boss in this game do is they rub a band with you. So, like, if you're like level forty and you go and fight uh, Piastel's first form, she will hit as hard as her if you fought her level four fight at that level. So, like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, it, you can't over. You can over level certainly and overpower, but like, you can certainly not like there's always a little bit of a challenge there i think even if you like you know she's going to just hit harder and you've just got to like yeah. kill her quicker basically i mean the thing that helps with the later fights is that you just have more spirit points to yeah. start and you build them faster and that's really what this game really boils down to like how many spirit points do i have um and so that's why i think those later fights get easier but when like you're really managing them and like one death really can cause you major problems early in the game um that's what that's why I think those are more challenging. So I, I think that like the rubber banding thing probably matters to some degree, but I think that mm-hmm. if I were to fight those things later with more spirit points, it doesn't matter that she hits harder because I can just hit her more and a lot harder, a lot faster. So yeah, I think it's I think doing them when they're current is was it felt like an appropriate challenge, especially early on. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have like an endless pool of money from getting like discoveries that are worth like fifty grand. So you can't just pile them into like piranha seeds or um glyphs of might and speed and stuff like that so yeah um but yeah obviously it's linked to the moonfish quest which is a i kind of like i like collectible side quests so i'm always like not fussed with things like that i do think like the hamachu um the little bird which is like the mascot of this game um did anyone find hamachu island by the way um i did not i hope i hope west knows what i'm talking about not this go around, but yes, <laughs> yes, I have and in the pe- in the before times. Yes, um, Hamuchu Island is. Like oh, you a- mean like the bird island with like that old man bird? <gasps> yes. Oh yeah, yeah, I found that. Yeah, yeah, I found that. <laughs> it's where you get all your stats. So it's how you find out how you've like how close you are to one hundred percent. Um, 
but yeah, it's also a little bit weird that there's a man in a hamuchu suit. Um, but yeah, like the hamuchu that you're feeding moonfish to, why does it cough up furballs first of all, and secondly, why does it get so ugly so quickly? Like it's just a little <laughs> blob to start off with, and then he just gets like, I don't know, like he's. I mean, it's kind of cute in a way. I think he, that he's kind of giant and hideous, by the way. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he's the 89th he's the 89th discovery or the 88th discovery um if you give him all the moonfish and complete the piastal quests um hamuchu becomes the final discovery um which i think is kind of fun um but yeah um i'll tell you another thing that like we were talking about like appropriate um appropriate challenges and another addition to the gamecube version of the bounty fights um now these i love I love them. Mm. I love super bosses. I love hard fights as long as they're manageable. And I think all of these are. Um, again, does anyone have a favorite or one that they found really challenging? I can't remember what it was called, but like um, one of the first ones, it was before I really understood the battle system. Um, where like you, you find them on a pier. I can't remember the name. Gordo, maybe. Um, I thought that one was really challenging. Um, the Ixinus demons, I thought were just cool um yes those, i like them i thought were a fair challenge um and i i thought all of them were unique and presented their own difficulties but again like the only issue i had with this game's combat by the end is that it became like literally do exactly the same thing over and over again um and that is what will allow you to win victory um, is yours <laughs> yeah so just like put up justice shield put up delta shield wait to build up spirit points put Incrim on vice Hit Pirate's Wrath when you can. The end. Um, so I kind of wish that more of them had done more status effect stuff. Um, but the ones that did, I thought were a little more challenging, but they still weren't too bad. Mm, yeah. Um, I think the one you're thinking of might be Loose Cannon Lapin, the one with the robot um, yes, on the pier that is correct. Sailor's Island. Yeah, that one. that one's never given me a problem, but I have certainly heard of it giving a lot of other people a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I have unironic love for your your imposters vice the legend uh because i'm a i always love you know p2 palette swaps for some reason this has always been something that i've loved in like arcade games as a kid and anytime i see something like that integrated into a story driven game just delights me it's so good it's such a like twist and interestingly enough this is the one that always used to get me as a kid like it's always always been the hardest one for me out of all of them and i think it's because i always used to do it too late and it was before the point where i had tons of money and i'm good enough at the game but like i'd always get really unlucky with like drill nos and status effects and things like that and i'd just be like oh i have to reset everything and do that and do that and do that and things like that um i always just got really unlucky um yeah i think it's fun that like um I think I've mentioned the swashbuckler rating system, have I? Um, you get like different pirate rankings throughout the game, depending on what point you are in the plot and how many discoveries you've got. And at one point, randomly, I think it's after you get the Delphinus or after Yafatoma, uh, it just tanks, like deliberately. You're called Vice the Imposter. And that's because there's these people going around pretending to be you. And I the like, game doesn't even tell like... you that it happens. No, I know. Like the way I that I found out was I went to go talk going... to one of my merchants and they're like, I'm not talking to you. I'm like, well, you literally work on my island. What are you talking about? You're not talking to me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I think that's really interesting, though. Like, I mean, it doesn't tell you too much about the swashbuckler system anyway, but I like the way that, like, people acknowledge your title. Like, the way I think I usually find out is because I go to a sailor's guild to sell some stuff 
and the sailors guild person's like hmm keep your head down kind of thing like uh, i won't tell anyone you were in here or something like that and you're like oh wait what and you look at the wanted board and you're like what um but yeah i think that's a fun fight um for me i sometimes find daikakoya a little bit rough um especially if he does golden flurry a few times um as demonstrated very aptly this morning when he did it four times in a row <laughs> and confused Ika and enrique every time and i was like well i can't do justice shield can't do delta shield now fina's dead and now this and then you've got like and then all the enemies have got quicker on them and it's like okay now i've got to do lunar cleansing when i revive fina and stuff like that um that's it's not too bad it's definitely not the worst one and rupee's the other one that i used to find really hard but again if you do rupee when you first get rupee available um it's not too bad but if you leave it until a lot later like they get like additional moves which do more damage and it's like ah okay i do like that all of the bounty fights have got like really goofy stories because like rupee you're like oh he's like the leader of a clan but actually he's this like tiny little kid and then he's like i'm gonna open a carpet shop i'm like good for you like good for you and then like the vice imposter trio they join like they're like a impersonation group don't they and you get like joke weapons from them you get the swarmerang which is just a giant lollipop um for Ica, um which i think is really fun um but yeah, I do really love those fights. Although I must admit, the very last bounty fight is so disappointing. Like yeah. it's it's so easy. And I think like there's this like gimmick that we didn't touch on last episode. Um, all the treasure chests, or many of them, have like a little a person in them called Zivil and Bane, and they're basically trying to steal artifacts. And those artifacts you sell for money. And then you fight the final bounty is like their leader. But it's a piece of cake. It's like so easy every mm-hmm. time i'm so surprised every time i'm like oh you're a breeze yeah i couldn't even do like my normal i could have but i chose to take drachma into the final dungeon and uh i didn't even need justice shield so i was like <laughs> all right fine yep. i just uh use his spirit boost and then use prophecy wipe them all out and then one hit of pirate's wrath he was gone done yeah it was like three turns it's a shame because like i think it's a really fun idea that there's like this group of like treasure hunters that have got like this secret leader and they're going around trying to steal artifacts for themselves to make money from, which then you go and do. It's like, okay, all right, who's the good person here? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's quite disappointing, I think, especially after like, I think most of the other ones present some sort of challenge apart from Gordo and Baltor, who are both like mandatory fights in the story anyway and were in the original Dreamcast version. You just didn't have a bounty attached to them. Um, the very last side quest we haven't talked about is uh, actually recruiting the crew members. Um, so you get eleven, you get twenty-two crew members. Uh, there's eleven positions on the ship, and you can swap them in and out as you see fit. Um, some specialize in magic or physical attacks, and some specialize in cooking for HP regeneration, and some for status effects. Um, but it's really fun to go around and recruit them. They've all got different like um, different parameters. Does anyone have a favorite crew member that they like to have? I liked you. Yulara? Yeah, the Yulara. cook. Yeah. She's adorable. I love um, Ulara. Um, and her sister Kerala joins you as well because she's mm-hmm. one of the builders as well. Yeah. I like her a lot. I like from a design stance Merida, but I didn't use her too often. <laughs> Merida has the unfortunate job of... I like Merida's design and I think she's really cool, but she's the jester. And unfortunately, the other jester of the Delphinus is Pal. And I'm sorry... 
Pow, top yeah. of my list. Pow is gonna Pow win is, every Pow's time. A good boy. Pow is the best little purple doggy. I mean, come on. As as a youngin, I loved Lawrence because that design just oozed cool. Uh, I still love Lawrence. It's on still very <laughs> good. <laughs> He's um, so good. I, as soon as I met him, Lana's like, "Hey, you get to recruit him." And I'm like, "Yes, and we'll do it immediately." And I did. I never took him off helm. my crew. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that, like, when you go and talk to him on Crescent Island towards the end of the game, he's like, "You know my like, you know my contract's nearly up, right?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, we paid you, didn't we? You're not really a crew member." Um, but yeah, he he's like he does he tries to think he doesn't care, but he totally does. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite of the two navigators. I agree. Yeah, it's it's a it's an old trope, but it checks out, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm a squall defender until I die. <laughs> I like squall too, actually. Gunbreaker main here. Of course, I like squall. Fantastic. <laughs> and in the blue rogues attack, he's got that cool sword and everything. Come on. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I love. I used the... it once just for that reason. <laughs> yeah, this game loves over the top animations, and Blue Rogues is worth like Prophecy is better in every way, and that's gotten like a massive like you know oh my god the moon is gonna hit the planet and destroy this tiny little human being that I just can't get rid of. Um, but then like Blue Rogues has got like all eleven crew members who you've currently got active like doing their things, and it's like Power just runs around the screen and barks, and Laura like lifts up a like tray of rice and don is like drinks some loqua juice and like and then robinson like burps out fire it's very cool um and this game also has my favorite like call outs for like spells and animations like i still love you mess with me you mess with claudia and then like gilda's like ship just flies in and i'm like oh you're just gonna bomb everybody okay um it's so over the top and so 2000s is great um but my i like I like both the artisans um, for the crew, um, which is Ilchemist, who is the chemist, um, and Ryukan, the um, blacksmith. Um, mostly just because I think like Ryukan is like a grumpy blacksmith, but he like makes you weapons, and he makes you the best weapon in the game as well, which I think is really cool. And he's got his own island. You have to like bring him a really powerful weapon, a very specific weapon, I think, and you show it to him, and he's like, "No, I'm going to join you," and I think that's really cool. And Ilchemist is um, like a chemist who lives off of Valor and he left because they wanted him to make like weapons of mass destruction. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, he joins you. And that's where you get all your uh, all your super powerful seeds and your items from. Um, so they're both really useful in different ways. Um, so I always find it really hard to choose who I want on the front line of those two. Um, but I think they're fun. Um, but yeah, um, otherwise... So going through Saltis, you get your final confrontation with Ramirez, which we've already touched on. It's a very cool fight with some very cool animations. Um, I got to see it twice and I was like, yes. Mm, it's yes. so good. It's so, so ridiculous, but so amazing. It's so good. Where there is light, there's darkness, right? Yeah. Like, a little on the like, nose. Yes, give but- it to me. <laughs> this, this is the late 90s, early 2000s vibe that I want in a video game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still it's still there i still want it all the time um yeah that, i think that fight's really cool there's like a real i think it's a good moment um and then you fight the silver giga Zelos, which as a tales of symphonia found this like confuses me but never mind like um it's zealos i think in japanese with an a um but this fight can be hard unless you've overpowered the moonstone cannon in which face you can like 
skip entire phases and have like three arms of the boss fall off in one round like but it's got some really cool animations in it like the hydra fight um and then and then you've got like the last phase which is another normal fight where ramirez and zealous like fuse together to make the one-winged angel character and then you get to fight him this can be a pain in the backside because like he's got a move where he like like poppets one of your characters like and yeah. uses them against you this can be annoying if it's vice um it's the only way that i saw uh because he took over drachma in the uh, very mm. first turn of mine then he had drachma uses 25 sp move oh which yeah. i never would have seen otherwise but i was like hey at least i got to see that he killed someone <laughs> he killed ika but i was like that's a cool animation <laughs> and then he died like two turns later but it was you know i was glad i got to see it yeah oh my god but yeah, it can be a pain if you're not prepared for that, but otherwise it's not too bad a fight. And obviously, Ramirez dies, Saltus sinks, and the world's saved, because, you know, everyone has to be happy in this game. Like, it's all about positivity and all about friendship. Um, But, like, I do love that, like, Skies of Arcadia does the Suikoden thing. Again, we keep referring to Suikoden, um, and it shows you what all your crew members do and what they go off in the credits, which I think is super sweet and like some of them are really sad <laughs> i'm such a sucker for endings like that though that little mm. you know what happened to everyone endings yeah oh, i gotta see it now mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say anything because i know Audrey, okay. you've got a little bit to go um but there are some really good ones like they're really lovely but yeah. there's one that i was very very upset about personally. yeah i know which one you're upset about it's fine. <laughs> um but yeah um it's such a great conclusion, I think. And then obviously post-game, you get like, Vice has got the new pirate ship, the Albatross 2, and then Fina comes out in her new little pirate ship, well, new little pirate outfit even, and Cupel's got a little eye patch and a little moustache. And then they're going to go and sail off into the sunset. Um, but yeah, that was my whistle-stop tour of Skies of Arcadia. I love this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, something we were touching on at the beginning as we're beginning to wrap up here. Um, we were talking about like things that we'd like to see because I think I think Skies will get a port eventually. I really damn hope so because I really want to like replay it. But like, I certainly agree with some of the things we were saying throughout. Like, I might love this game to death. Like, there's no game. Like, like I turned it on this morning for like the first time in a while. And I lost like three hours and I, I don't do that very often with stuff that I go back and revisit. And I'm like, oh my God, like some, like nothing makes me feel the same way as Skies of Arcadia, really. Like there's just so much to it and so much attached to it for me as well that like, it's just a really special thing. Um, but like, because I have to be critical about things and like, I can never turn my way around, turn my eye away from it. Like there are definitely things this time around that, and like my favorite thing about doing these kinds of things is like hearing everybody else's thoughts um, because like it really opens up my eyes to things. Um, but before I like go off into a spiel or anything, cause I was going to go into like, if this game gets a port or remaster, like what would we really want to see? I mean, would you want a sequel as well? Would you want a remake? What would you like out of it? Basically a new, a new release of skies in any way shape or form because sega will do it at some point i hope i, mean, I think that a uh, remaster is uh, like a no-brainer and that wouldn't be hard um my um my computer handled it just fine um mm -hmm. so they could definitely do it um and you'd like pull in that dreamcast music yeah uh, keep all the side quests um maybe tighten up the graphics a little bit uh maybe lower the encounter rate a little bit um maybe fix the camera angle 
Yeah. You know, makes, the, makes the camera a little bit easier to use. Add a speed up function. Oh my, add a speed up function. And you could pretty much just release the game as is with some like pretty minor adjustments. It wouldn't, it wouldn't even cost them that much and they would make a ton of money on it. So it's very confusing to me that they haven't done it yet. I think the encounter rate's the only thing that's a hard sell for modern audiences, like a deal breaker kind of sell for modern audiences. Everything else I think is workable, even though they can definitely sand off some edges. Mm, yeah, like a slider or something would be good, or yeah, I like the brave. Like I feel like bravely default has spoiled a lot of people, but it's a good thing, like in a good way. The Sega Ages version of Fantasy Star One has an easy mode, and all it does is it um, lowers the random encounter rate and makes each of those encounters give you more experience and gold. Oh. It's just like a, you know, the lever goes up, the other lever lever goes down in kind of equal measure, and that made that game so much easier to get through. Um, you know, in a, in a modern era. And I think something like that for Skies of Arcadia would totally work. I mean, you don't even really need to... You could just lower the encounter rate. You could actually leave the experience curve the same, and it would be fine. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I I, I, I I have messed around with that version, and I think it's very cool. Actually, I think an anime adaptation one day would be good, too. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't put it in my head. Don't give me the ideas. <laughs> Don't make me want things that will never happen, because um, I, I would love that, to be honest. Like, I remember um, one of the stupid things I tried to do as a kid was actually, like, novelize the whole game. <laughs> I was, like, writing it all down, and I just gave up, because I was like, oh, my God, there's so much here, because I'm, like, throwing everything into it. Um but yeah i'd love to see something like that um yeah i guess like i put like remake and sequel there but like i i'd honestly kind of oppose a sequel given or a prequel even because you can't access these games it's like if someone made a shadow hearts prequel you can't get games on anything so why would i want someone to i don't know like i'm I'm, making me weep over here exactly i know i'm sorry i that it was also partially deliberate because i understood that you would understand (laughs) that'll bring me up some emotions right there i I want some ben i want some jimpero um i want some plot backstory to yuri's father 100 percent um but um yeah i i I would i just want it ported i just want it ported with a speed up function and lower down lower encounter rate and the dreamcast music because i mean like Obviously, I get used to it pretty quickly, but yeah, that like that like muffled soundtrack on the GameCube is not good. And like Sega acknowledged that Skies exists, right? Because they've got cameos in Valkyria, like Vice, Ica, yeah. and Fina are all in at Valkyria Chronicles. And in fact, Vice and Ica are respectively their two best units of that type. Like they're so good. They're Vice brand- is also a racer in All Stars Racing Transformed, which is a lovely kart racing game. So the I only think reason- Rocknum is in Sonic. It is in the Sonic game too. Uh, I think he does make an appearance. Yeah, one of them. Um, yeah. The only reason I bought Sonic and Sega All Star Racing Transformed is because of that. There is a whole stage in that game called Rogue's Landing, and you sail all the way through, like around Sailor's Island. Yeah. Rocknum shows up. The Hydra shows up. There's a remix of the music, like the. Um, it's just the standard like blue rogues music and then it shifts into the dungeon music like the military bass music and to say that like i cried maybe for like i was like screaming for like three and a half minutes straight the first time i ran that i was like oh my god so they know it's there and also archie like the comics who do like the sonic the hedgehog comics they did like a crossover like universe with a bunch of like sega games and Mega Man and stuff like that skies of arcadia's in it 
they know somebody out there is like just just give me it like i i'm not even gonna be coherent about it anymore just like am i ever con- coherent about it like there you go see i'm muddling my words now um there you go you can definitely tell i've podcasted about my favorite game for about three hours though i've not made sense at times and i've gone all over the place and i've been cheeky and like basically like kind of dipped in my own save file on and off over the last couple of weeks but like i'm so glad the podcast has let us do this and talk about the game i'm so glad everyone voted for it um in summer of 2021 and i'm so glad that like zach and order got to play this for the first time because yeah that's good i'm excited to hear more of your thoughts order as you get towards the end i'm really excited um but yeah it's just it's a joy to share with people because for all its faults it does so many things so well um it's so unique as well um but it's just lovely like there's nothing it felt like a real bright spot when it came out and it still really stands out to me now as like something like i think what was that ds game there's a ds game where you're like an air um nostalgia nostalgia it might be nostalgia there's another one that rings a bell as well um i can't remember the name of it um but there's like airship travel and that there was a lot of comparisons with that and as well like we've talked about xenoblade on and off like but nothing's really like captured the same kind of feel as skies um not really come close to it and I really, really hope Sega do something with it at some point because I'm really sad we don't have it accessible on modern consoles. But yeah, I think that about does it. We'll put the sales down and I can't promise I'll never talk about this game again, but we're certainly like done waxing lyrical mass for three hours straight. Um, so thank you, Wes, Zach and Orderer for joining me for these podcast episodes. It's been really great and I'm really excited that we got to talk about it. So yeah. Thanks for hosting. I mean, wonderful. It was fun. Mm. Who else was going to do it? Like, I would have fought everybody to do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so obviously we're leaving behind Arcadia and Order, as already mentioned, the game we're covering for the next two weeks on Retro Encounter. We're going to be doing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which is pretty much the game that put Bioware on the map and really made them noticed by the wider world. Um, kotor is extremely popular even now and has recently had switch ports and is getting a some kind of a remake in the year coming years so i'll be excited to listen to the panel on that for the next couple of weeks um but march we're doing something a little bit different um so sometimes we do like game journals for one game for two weeks but march we're doing a whole month on metroidvania which is uh genre quote unquote some people like to say character action platformer and there's debates over whether it's even a term but whatever metroidvania games are amazing they're like maybe my favorite genre outside of rpg um when they're not rpg related um so we're going to be playing three of those in march we are going to be playing two rpg slanted ones so we're going to be playing finally going to be playing another game that i've wanted to play for a while on the podcast castlevania aria of sorrow which is probably the best castlevania game maybe my second favorite castlevania game it's so good i'm so excited about it i've Um, been asking solosi for this game for many years it's a fantastic (laughs) choice it's so good you are going to enjoy it i think um and we're also going to be playing salt and sanctuary which is a 2016 indie rpg which has got a little bit of souls in there as well and as a treat we're going to be doing an episode on one non-rpg and it's going to be super metroid which really is kind of we're going to be like examining 
the kind of journey of the metroidvania title i think throughout the entire month so we did one from the 90s one from the noughties and one from the 2010s so it'll be really interesting to see how all of our views and different layers like um like shape out like aria of sorrow and super metroid are like two of my favorite games ever so there you go that can't be a better month really um but yeah beyond that we've got lots of things in the works on the show so we're really excited to show them to you uh in the meantime if you want to talk to us you can email retro rpgfan.com if you want to hear from solosi he'll be managing that inbox for the whole time um you can also comment on our facebook page instagram we've got twitter where you can interact with us we've got our own discord server if you're already not part of it we've got a youtube channel as well where we got reviews there we've got like all sorts of like video features there on there some historic ones so please go and check that out and if you visit twitch we've got something up there every single day um we've also got two other podcasts in-house we've got random encounter which is about random events and current topics that's hosted by john o'logan and we've got rhythm encounter which has got rotating hosts and we are music every other week they alternate mondays um but we've also got our partner podcast who are on a break currently phoenix edge who deal with the current news and like coming uh, like upcoming trends and things like that so please go check them all out um but if you want to check any of those out and give us a review as well do that on your own podcast apps whether you use apple Podcasts, google play spotify any of the others maybe don't use spotify actually at the moment you'll understand if you're listening to this currently um we love feedback anything we want to hear from you whether it's good bad or it's about skies in particular i want to hear from you um but if you want to talk to us directly where can you find us starting with you zach uh you can email me zachw at rpgfan.com or you can find me on our discord at zachw and wes if you want to make a questionable decision today you can follow me on twitter at wes Iliff. <laughs> disagree with that statement i disagree with that strongly it's not questionable it's the right decision and audra what about you you can email me at audra b at rpgfan.com well i just said i was debating wes about questionable um but i am also on the questionable website of twitter as at alana hagues uh, i'm also on the questionable social media of discord is that social media oh that shows you something doesn't it that i don't use but if you DM me, I am at Lana there, so I will always respond to DMs. But yeah, I I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad we've managed to talk about Skies for a couple of weeks. I will not stop talking about Skies of Arcadia ever in my life. You know the minute a remaster comes out, I will buy a special edition and I'll buy many people a copy of it. And I've nearly spent money on an Ica statue that costs $600, so somebody needs to stop me before I do that, because I can't afford that. But otherwise, that'll do us the Skies of Arcadia for a little bit. Until next time I'm on the show, I'm sure. Thank you. Good night. And good luck. Good luck.